are listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is BaptistChurch.com. Well, amen. As children are making their way to uh, worship, they're making their way to Children's Church. And go ahead and let them go. They'll be happier in Children's Church. They'll be happier and I'll be happier. So let them go, Mom. This is your opportunity to let them rest and enjoy their time together. Thank you, Bethany. While they're doing that, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of James. James chapter 5, beginning at verse 7. And before we move any farther, let me encourage you. You will see a video, I believe, at the end of this service on foreign missions, Lottie Moon Offering. You'll see these envelopes around. Make sure you pick them up. Make sure you take time to pray, and then you do what God would lead you to do. Um, as well as, uh, you know, other announcements, we've got our community meal coming up at Christmas. We need you to help us, and uh, if you will do that, it'll be a great, uh, great ministry. I've titled the message today, The Most Dangerous Prayer. The most dangerous prayer. Everybody look this way. I want to get your attention. Never pray, God, give me patience. Okay. You know, it's always been said in the church and among Christians, that's a prayer that you do not want to pray because the moment you pray that, I think God in heaven goes, did they say what I thought they said? <laughs> Let her rip, boys. Because the only way you and I are going to learn patience is we're going to have to go through what? Go through trials, suffering, difficulties. And uh, so that's a, that's a dangerous prayer. The most dangerous prayer is patience. It's for patience. Now, let's look, James chapter 5, beginning at verse 7. He says here, be patient. Now, it's in the imperative. It's a command. Uh, this is not something that you and I choose to do. In fact, let me go ahead and tell you right now, patience is a fruit of the Spirit, but it, it is also a discipline in the body of Christ. It's a discipline in our life. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and the spring rains? You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, for you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we considered blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Let's pray again. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory. Lord, cleanse me, forgive me. Let me be a tool in your hand. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. 
Now, uh, I want all of your attention. I want you to look this way. I want you to listen closely. Because sometimes in life, you're going to have a life-changing moment. Now, look this way. Look this way. This was a life-changing moment for your pastor. Uh, I, I had gone to Borders. Borders was a bookstore there in Flowood. had a coffee shop. I had sat down with my, uh, with my African tea. I had sat there. It was a cold day, bitter cold, wind blowing. The kind that just kind of, that wind just cuts through you. And I was sitting there in its solid glass, or used to be, and I was looking out and I was kind of uh, grumbling, complaining. I was thinking about some things right now that in my life they could be different. And I wasn't, I wasn't very happy. And I was sitting there when all of a sudden a woman pulled up in a van. When she got out, now I don't want you to think bad of me. I've told Sheila this many times. But she was a captivating, beautiful woman. She had long black hair. And the wind was blowing. And she shook that hair back and it was blowing in the wind. That bitter cold. And she had this smile that just illuminated her face. It was as if her face was shining. And she was laughing. And she was just laughing and that wind was blowing her hair. And she looked like a model. It was almost like a picture. And I thought to myself, you know, why is she so happy? And why am I so sad? And I watched her, and she got out, and she walked to the back of the vehicle, and she began to pull something out. And, and every once in a while, she would, the wind would catch her, and she was just laughing. And she reached in, and next thing I knew, she was pulling out a wheelchair. And she was unfolding that wheelchair and she walked around and she reached in and in a moment she was still laughing and smiling and she looked at this passenger in the back seat and undoubtedly she was still laughing. There was a glow to her face and she reached in and she picked up what looked like a teenage boy, almost like a skeleton, a holocaust survivor and she reached in and she was sliding him and putting him in that into that wheelchair and I looked at him and he was laughing too and I thought to myself God forgive me never forgot that still can see her in my mind not because of her beauty just because of the laughter that she had and the beauty and the smile and the laughter of that little boy with all of his diseased limbs. This almost looked like somebody took skin and put it around a skeleton. And then both of them were filled with such joy that it was captivating. David Jeremiah in his book, Turning Toward Integrity, titled this section of James that we just read, when you're in a hurry, God isn't. Let that sink in for a moment. When you're in a hurry, and God isn't. Patient, endurance, perseverance. 
mentioned no less than six times. It's been interesting, you know, I don't know if you saw this, ESPN, NFL, uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were playing Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, and it came down to the very end, and Travis Kelsey called a pass, and, and he lateraled it back to another guy, and the guy ran for a touchdown, and they called it back based on the fact that it had been offensive, uh, offensive, um, what am I trying to say? Offsides. And Patrick Mahomes just came unglued. He blew up. They had to literally, they showed him physically holding him. And, and it was just an enormous amount of profanity coming out of his mouth. And even afterwards when he went to Josh Allen, he was still filled with profanity and just letting it all loose. And on social media, people were showing Tom Brady and they were saying, how come Tom Brady gets a gets an excuse or gets a, the ability to be forgiven and Patrick Mahomes does not. Hey, that's easy. Tom Brady is not a professing Christian. Josh Allen is. I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes is. You see, the, the world expects out of a follower of Christ a level of behavior that it doesn't expect out of others. So if people look at you and say, you're not very patient, then my friend, they have every right to say that if you're not. So here we have, here we have James talking about this issue of patience. You know, I'm not gonna, I don't want you to take too much time, but in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, in fact, don't turn there, Paul said this to the church of Galatia. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit, listen to this, is love, joy, peace, patience. In fact, if you look at that verse, you know what the next one is? Kindness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You ever thought to yourself, I thought to myself, when I read that, I thought, well, you know, it's interesting that right behind patience comes kindness because I have to admit, when I'm not patient, I'm not very kind, right? So it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. The Greek word there, macrothumia. Macro means long or big. Thumia means hot. We get our word thermos. So it's the picture here, macrothumia. It means long-tempered. It means you have a long fuse. It means it takes a lot for you to explode and react. That's what patience is. It's putting up with people, putting up with circumstances, situations, and not being a short fuse and blowing your top and having a long fuse, macrothumia. Habert said in his commentary on the book of James, he said, listen to this, it's critical. This type of patience does not call for a passive resignation or an indifference to one's situation, but an attitude, listen to this, of self-restraint that enables one to refrain from a hasty retaliation in the face of propagation. propagation. In other words, it's the ability for you and I in a circumstance or with a difficult person to maintain patience, that discipline, allow that fruit of the Spirit where we don't ex explode and react, we have a long fuse, macrothumia. Takes a lot to get a reaction out of us. Is that you? To be honest with you, I was going to read the Scripture and go sit down. 
Because I don't know about you, but I'm still working on that. Because isn't that the problem? The problem is so often we get in circumstances or situations and our anger takes over. Right? Our anger, the Bible says be angry and sin not. The Bible tells you and I to be angry. There's some things that ought to make us angry. We should be angry. We're commanded to be angry. But when that anger moves outside the control of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, listen, it becomes dangerous and we will say things that can rip apart relationships and tear down people for days, for weeks, for months, for years, for the rest of their life. There are some people in positions of authority that have said things to me I've never forgotten. So it's important that you and I understand that patience, patience, listen to this. One writer said that this patience is tolerating someone, putting up with them, in, listen to this, enduring their abrasive, intrusive personality. Let me read that again. Do you know anybody like this? This patience is tolerating someone, putting up with them, enduring their abrasive, intrusive personality. Do you know anyone like that? How do you handle that kind of person? Because if we were honest, God brings them in our life. Right? They're there. I mean, sometimes, God, I didn't ask for them. You know, they, we work with them. We go to school with them. They're in the family. They're, they're, we're coming up to the Christmas holidays, and for some of us, we dread extended family and everybody coming together because we know it's going to take an enormous amount of patience to survive this event. Right? And the reality is, if God could say anything to us, you know what he would say? He would say this, would you start looking at that person as a tool in the hand of your Savior that is chipping away the things that do not look like Jesus? Could that person that you have difficulty with, you may be married to, you, they may be one of your children, an adult child, they may be a neighbor, they may be a friend, they may be somebody that you're working with. Could you look at that person instead as a tool in the hand of God by which he's chipping away things that do not look like his son? Right? I mean, you know, patience again is a discipline. Do you know, did you notice how many times James brings up the Lord is near, the Lord's coming is near, the Lord is standing at the door, the Lord is coming? One writer said this, why? Because the Lord is coming. It's an, a specific event, a moment in time, just like the first advent, there'll be a second advent in which he's reminding those, you and I, that we need to learn to be patient and wait because the Lord's coming. You know, one writer said, this is not a short-tempered man or a woman, but rather a person with a long fuse. Just takes a lot to get him angry and to get a reaction. Well, let me give you three quick points. Let the process work. You say, what process? Let whatever situation, whatever circumstances you're in, allow God to use that. Let it work. 
Look at verse 7 and 8. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient. Stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Rather than getting angry, frustrated, retaliating in some kind of emotional breakdown, instead recognize that God is working in this situation, in these circumstances, and like a farmer looking at a seed in the ground, he realizes that though he cannot see the seed coming up out of the ground, God is still working under the surface, right? God's doing some things in the situation, the circumstance, with the difficult personality that I just can't see, but I'm going to trust God. Hey, hey listen, uh, uh, I'm not a very good gardener. I'm working at it. But I remember old folks used to tell me about okra. They'd say, soak okra in warm water with a little bit of Clorox. Because I was griping about my okra not coming up. Well, I thought this is about the silliest thing I ever did, I heard. And uh, so um, I, I put, the, put the seed in there, and sure enough, I, I, I went out, uh, had the dirt ready, I put it in the ground, and, but I couldn't wait. Have you ever been like that? I would go dig a seed up to see how it was doing. And a senior adult said, leave the seed alone. You know, sometimes that's the way we are. God is, hey, listen, God is always at work. God doesn't take a vacation. And so what James was saying, like the farmer, be patient and wait. Three times he uses this word patience. Why? Because you and I are called to wait on God. We are called to wait on God and to allow God to do whatever God's going to do. I learned something I've never learned. Clement in 150 A.D. said this about James and Jude, who were the half-brothers of Jesus. He said they were not carpenters, they were farmers. Isn't that interesting? We always thought that they just carried on Joseph's occupation of being carpenters, but Clement says no in 150 A.D. He said James and Jude were farmers, they were not carpenters. So the one who was writing this understood patience and having to wait. You know, sometimes people look at injustice and you may say, is there a time to stand? Yes, there is. I've noticed on the billboard coming in, one of the digital billboards talking about law enforcement and law enforcement bullying and mistreating people and a number to call. You better believe it. There is a time when that needs to be done, when there's injustice, when there are things that are wrong. Right now, you've Heard me allude to it, Rankin County, Sheriff's Department. What we're dealing with there, there's every right to speak when there's an injustice. But I think James is talking about a personal injustice. When a wrong has been done to you, it may require you and I to hold our tongue. It may require you and I not to take vengeance or, uh, into our own hand. Let me, give you a, let me give you something. Leave vengeance to God. Right? Leave it to him. The Bible says it. Paul says it in Romans chapter 12, 19 through 21. Paul says this, don't take vengeance. Leave it to God. Let God deal with it. God, I'm going to 
put it in your hands. I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm going to let go of it, God. I'm not going to worry about it. I know you're working in this. I know you're always working. So I'm just going to turn it over to you. You know what James also said? He said, establish your heart. You ever, you, you ever again, going back to gardening, and you, you plant a, you dig a hole. You, you've prepared your soil, and you dig a hole to put a tomato plant in, right? Now, you put the tomato plant in, and then you put the dirt in, okay? Now, you've you got the tomato plant in the hole, you put the dirt in, and then you do something else. Now, this is important. What do you do next? You pack the soil around the plant, Right? If you don't, it'll wash away. It's too loose. So you take your hands and you begin to press that soil around there. You know what James says? James says in this passage, he says, establish your hearts. In other words, just, you know, just say, God, I'm going to trust you with this person, this circumstance, this situation, and I'm settled I'm not going to take, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to seek vengeance. God, I'm turning it over to you. Boy, that's a refreshing thing. Number two, don't grumble against each other. Look at what he says in verse nine. Don't grumble against each other. In King James, it says, don't begrudge or hold a grudge against each other. Don't grumble against each other, brothers. Or what? Or you will be judged and the judge is what? standing at the door. Again, I wrote down here, it's interesting that Paul, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, says in Galatians 5.22, patience and then kindness. Because the reality is, is sometimes when I'm impatient, no, no, not sometimes, every time. When I'm impatient, I am not a kind person. Heard one preacher say, isn't it amazing how impatient we get at a, at a microwave? a computer screen, fast food. I thought the rapture was going to take place last night before we got our, we got our meal. We were with Jeffrey and Megan and the boys going to the, to the lights uh, exhibit there in Brandon. And, and, and I thought, man, Chick-fil-A is dropping the ball here. I mean, how long are we going to have to wait? We've been here five minutes. Hey, God wasn't finished. They were rolling in the aisles in heaven. Because, you see, we, we, we were going to this light event in Brandon. And, and, and Jeffrey and Megan said, hey, y'all come ride with us. We've already got tickets. We'll ride through. So we're, we're, we're in the back seat with Augie and, and Aaron, and they're having a high old time just jumping around and french fries everywhere. We're just having a great old time. We get to the road that turns down in front of First Baptist Brandon and there's a line of traffic. And I'm going, oh God, please don't let it be the line waiting to go into. <laughs> hey, the line stretched all the way down that road, turned up in a parking lot and went a long way this way, turned and went a long way that way, turned a long way to go this way. <laughs> And I'm sitting there with my nose pressed against the window. Oh, yeah. Hey, we waited in line an hour and a half at least. Then when we get up there, I think, oh, we're, 
finally getting to the entrance and we get up there and the road coming, the highway coming the other way, there's a line going that way and they're in another parking lot and they're weaving in and we're having to take turns weaving in. Then we get up there, we're still trying to get in the place and we're in three lines creeping along. And I thought to myself, wow, if we don't serve a great God who said, hey, you want some patience? I'll show you some. You see, what did I tell you? What's the most dangerous prayer to pray? Pray for patience. God said, hey, you think the Chick-fil-A line. You think Chick-fil-A's slow. Buddy, you ain't seen nothing yet. You're going to wait a solid hour and a half to see those lights. Because that's how God builds it in us. And it seems the more fast-paced society is, the more impatient we become. We, we want it now. Colossians 3.12 says, Clothe yourself with patience. It's like you put it on. Don't grumble. Listen to what one writer said. Don't grumble. Don't hold a grudge. Again, our tendency when we're forced to be patient, we become irritable, we become frustrated, and we become impatient. Had a friend of mine, he was president, he was president of the student body at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. He was dressed to the hilt. Everything was in place. His home was immaculate. There was a little glass chess set sitting on a table. And his little blonde-haired, blue-eyed boy, about two and two and a half years old, would go over and, hey, Josh, No. One day they were getting ready to leave. You've heard me tell this story. His, his in-laws lived on the Ross Barnett Reservoir. And little Josh, two and a half year old, beautiful little boy, while Joey was loading the luggage in the car, while Nancy was saying goodbye to her parents in the life in the houseboat there on the reservoir, they didn't realize, but little Josh had been given a Fisher Price plastic fishing pole. And while he was sitting there, he had dropped it when he reached over. He fell into it. He fell into the Ross Barnett Reservoir. Joey said he heard a scream. Nancy was screaming. They pulled him out. Two and a half years old, they started CPR. He never, ever, he, his body came back, but his brain was gone. He lived till about five and a half and died in an institution. I used to go over, I was an EMT, I used to go over and clean out his trach, do some of the things that you do to keep a child alive when they're almost in a vegetative state. One day I had Amy with me. Amy's a little blonde-headed, I mean a little red-headed little toddler, and she went over there and she was going to grab one of those glass chest pieces. And I said, Amy, no, don't do that. And Josh looked and tears started welling up. I meant uh, Joey looked, the father of Josh looked at me, tears welling in his eyes. He said, no, she's fine. Let her play with her. They don't matter. Let me ask you something. What would it take for God to make you patient? John 16, said this, in the world, Jesus said, you will have what? He told you, you and I'll have tribulation. Uh, we'll have tribulation. We're not home yet. Okay, I'm not home. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Right? I'm not home yet. So I'm, 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 I'm a pilgrim. I'm a sojourner. The Bible says I'm a pilgrim, sojourner. I'm a stranger. 
I'm, I'm passing through. I'm not home yet. This is an alien land for me. And you know what God said? And in this alien land, you're going to have tribulation and you're going to have to learn to be patient because you're not home yet. Let me tell you about living in a third world country. If you ever do it, you better learn patience. If you don't, God will teach it to you. Because you know one thing I learned in Zimbabwe as a missionary? They're not in a hurry about nothing. Not at all. In fact, they reminded me something. Nowhere in the Bible does God say, hurry up. Ungale, ungale. You ever hear that? That's saying to a Hispanic, hurry up. God doesn't do that. So what's the principle here? I want you to hear this. Everybody say amen. amen. If you and I grumble, if you and I are not grateful, I want you to listen. God does not like grumbling at all. And what God will do, listen to me, if you and I don't surrender and say, God, this person, this situation, these circumstances are in your hand, God, I'm, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to trust you. I know you're working under the surface. And like a farmer, I'm just going to let the seed, I'm just going to be faithful. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Hey, listen, if you and I grumble, complain, listen, I want you to listen closely. God will leave you there in that situation. He will let you wander in those circumstances. And everybody listen, he'll let you die there. Because why? It's exactly what he did to the Jewish people. You remember? De delivered them out of Egypt. Had the promised land before them. And you know what? They griped and complained, grumbled. You know what God finally did? That's it. God hates grumbling. I don't like it either. You know, people always say, well, I'm tired. Oh, oh. That's the greeting of the American now. I want to ask you something. How many of you are tired doing the Lord's work? Or are you tired because you run your little self-interest, narcissistic life, and it's all about you, and you're tired is because you sit for two or three hours at night watching TV? You know, when people say they're tired, I want to know what you're tired about. You're tired because you stayed up late? and you were doing the kingdom's work? See, there's a big difference, isn't there? Well, let me give you the third one, last one, examples of patience. You see in the prophets, talks about the prophets. He says, you know, he said, brothers, verse 10, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the what? The prophets. Intense suffering. Jesus said these words, blessed are you when men revile you, persecute you, Say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For so did they, the prophets who were before you. That woman, that hair blowing back, bitter, bitter cold, reaching in, taking that little skeletal remains of a teenage son, setting him in that wheelchair and both of them laughing. She had learned patience. 
Isaiah was sawn in two with a wood saw. Jeremiah was thrown in a pit, escaped death several times, and eventually was stoned by the people. Ezekiel was killed for admonishing the people for practicing idolatry. Micah was killed. Habakkuk was killed. Amos stood up at Bethel, was beaten, and though able to get home, he crawled home, he died. John the Baptist was beheaded. Do I need to read on? I'm tired. They did not take Jesus to the cross kicking and screaming and fighting. He wouldn't be much of a savior, would he? But how many of us are impatient, irritable, angry, hostile, blow up, throw a little profanity into it? And the reality is we're kicking and screaming, we're fighting, and we in no way look like Jesus. Isaiah 53, 7 says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And he said, for you and I to be the same thing. Jerry Bridges stated this. He said, this aspect of patience is the ability to suffer a long time under the mistreatment of others without growing resentful, or better, the Christian who is the victim of office politics or organizational power plays must react with long suffering. There's not many people that will understand what I'm about to say. Alicia, you will, because your dad put up with it too. I hate preacher jokes. I hate those old, cruel, sometimes emasculating jokes. Preachers are all fat. Preachers are lazy. Preachers work only on Sundays. I don't laugh. And let me say something else. I've never said this in this congregation, but when you call me Jeff, it bothers me a little bit. I'm your pastor. I'm Brother Jeff. Man came up yesterday and said, Dr. Parker, you spoke at Country Woods to the men's group. I want to come over and speak to you. You can call me Brother Jeff. You can call me Dr. Parker. You can call me Pastor. But when you just say Jeff, it, 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 it does something. You see, my, my position as your pastor, as the under-shepherd, of this body is not to be diminished in respect and authority. That's why I don't allow it. I don't laugh at preacher jokes. Not only for me, I don't laugh at them for the sake of my profession because it diminishes, it devalues it. My doctor, Dr. David Fleming, I knew him when he was a farmer. He's an internal medicine, brilliant doctor. I have great difficulty, even though he's a friendship long way back, of saying David. I'm more comfortable saying Dr. Fleming. You see, there's a, a level of respect. And sometimes you may say, well, you know, I, get, I, I don't get respect. Uh, I feel like I'm made fun of. I'm, I feel like I'm devalued in the office. It's, and it's often because I'm a Christian. That's right. And let me tell you, sometimes you do have to stand. James goes on, he says, Job. He said, Job, we don't have to listen to uh, a long scenario of Job. We all know Job, the patience of Job. Well, how did God create this individual? 
He took them through intense suffering, suffering that's beyond anything that we could imagine. Well, I know I need to close, but I want to come back to that idea of the heart being established. What does that mean? It means being secure in faith, anchored in the Word of God, because listen, everybody look this way. Everybody, please listen. One day, a phone call will come. Bob Hamill, Mama's ha Mama Hamill's place, at about 12.30 after midnight, Bob Hamill, a businessman, a great man, got a call that his son, who had been doing work for the kingdom of God, was changing a tire, and a woman hit and killed him and left a wife and two children. Beautiful family left. Johnny Gooch, Bob Hamill donated all of the Thanksgiving food, that much of what we had. When I went to pick up the food, I could see pain. Guess who's standing next to me? Johnny Gooch, who owns Cypress Depot, leads a Bible study group of about 40 plus men every Tuesday night. Johnny looked at me as we drank coffee this week and he said, once again, I know how Bob feels. He said, I remember the call. He said, Spence, my son, called me and said, Dad, I gave my life to Christ. I became a Christian. I went and bought a Bible. I bought a Bible, Dad. Dad, I'll be home Friday evening, Friday night. Call came, accident, and Spence was gone. If you don't hear anything, listen. One day in every life in this room, a call will come. When it's going to test your faith beyond anything you can possibly imagine. And in that moment, I want you to listen. In that moment, you walk by faith. You say, Lord, I don't understand these circumstances. I don't understand this situation. But God, I trust you. I know you're working. I can't see it. Johnny Gooch has become an, became an unbelievable man of God was the first one to be by Bob Hamill's side and to walk Bob Hamill through that loss. My friend, nothing is wasted in the child of God's life, even your suffering. God, I'm going to trust you. You know, what, you know what you're doing? You're taking the word of God, which is the soul of your soul, and you're saying, God, I'm going to establish my heart. I'm going to press down the soul I'm going to secure myself right now in the promises of your word. And God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk this out because it's for your glory and your honor. Let's stand. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to you. And Lord, we love you and we praise you. Lord, we thank you that we serve a great God, a God that walks us through the difficulties. God does not walk us to suffering. He walks us through it. He tells us, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end. He walks us through loss. We feel his gentle hand just like with Mary and Martha when they say, Lord, if you'd have been here, our brother would be alive. 
He walks us through the life of Job and he tells us sometimes when the news just hits us over and over again, bad news. Everything's been lost. Business has failed. Marriage has gone south. Children are lost or things begin to go wrong. And in that moment when all the storms of life are beating against us, the only thing we can do is lift up and look toward the heaven and say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to trust you through this. And I know that this will not only be for your glory, I want you to listen, congregation. It's going to be for my good. So God, I pray today, if there's one that's in the sound of my voice, that right now the storms are beating against them. Heartache is weighing deep into their soul to where they almost feel like they can't go on. For some in this room, they've lost parents. For some in this room, they've lost a child. For some in this room, they've lost a, a marriage that they just could not hold together. For some in this room right now, they're dealing with health issues and problems. I pray right now that the power of your Holy Spirit will come around them. And dear Lord, right now in this moment, they'll feel your presence. And they'll do what Sheila sometimes says to me when I get heavy. That bright, beautiful smile, look at me and she'll say, God's got this. God's got this. So Lord, I pray today that everyone would feel your presence. And Lord, I pray too, if there be one here that doesn't know you, they're sitting here, standing here, they're listening online, and God, they don't know you. Pray right now that they would reach out, simple childlike faith, say, Lord, come into my heart, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You come.